0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Casey Weldon. He joined me uh, at first via Skype, and Skype acted all sorts of not agreeable, and uh, so we went for a phone call. I know a couple people have mentioned that the phone call episodes, uh, that the sound is a little off for them. And I get it, That it's kind of weird hearing the, the speakerphone sound of the, the recording. Um, that's sort of the issue with the show you know, like everybody's all over the world really, Most, you know, mostly all over the country so I I would love to be able to have everybody sit in like if I was in Los Angeles and people came through all the time it would be great to have people on that way but due to the circumstances I've got to use what technology is is, um, available to me I just hope that the content is worth the sound quality mixes on on some things um and i feel like you know i always listen to them after i'm done with them so you know like your ears sort of adjust to the sound after a few minutes you get sort of used to picking up the weirdness of the sound but i hope i want to make these as as awesome as possible so um bear with me uh if if anyone technically has another plan i know maybe producer lex can get in on this thing uh, and figure it out. It's so nice when producer Lex is recording the shows, um, but that's when I'm able to have more guests who are in town. Which maybe I'll try to figure out. It's just you know, not a lot of artists come into San Diego that often. I'm gonna try to make it up to LA and do some do some shit that way. But um, yeah. So Casey joined me via phone from uh, I guess from his house in Seattle. We talk nomadism, Vegas, Art Center. Uh, Artist PSAs, which may be a reoccurring segment on the show. Bubble Wrap, Montreal, Backyard Wall Project, Murals, Themed Shows, Pretty Girls and Pretty Boys, The Magic Eye, and Fallon Fox. So, as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You could click on the podcast there and get all the information about each guest that's been on the show. You can... Subscribe on iTunes via that link as well. There's a little iTunes icon uh, up in the corner that you can click to go to iTunes. And I always post it on the Facebook and the Twitter. You can follow Live Free Podcast at Live Free Podcast. You can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. And Casey Weldon is at Casey Weldon. C-A-S-E-Y-W-E-L-D-O-N. Ah. I'm pretty sure I spelled that right. Damn it. Weldon. D-O-N. It should be. But anyway, all that stuff, you could find that information also on the blog. Uh, If you click on the blog link on MikeMaxwellArt.com, you can get some extra information, some images of what's going on, and uh, usually some information about what is happening uh, for each guest in the future and in the present so make sure you do that you can also donate to the podcast um, huge shout out to David Gorman who had dropped a huge donation on the podcast today actually um, he's not sponsoring or anything but uh, he dropped a nice sum into, into the, uh, the live free podcast movement so I want to give a big shout out to him I'll probably shout him out again on the next show and maybe more shows just uh he earned a a shout out sponsorship spot so big ups to david gorman he's an artist uh and he he works on in in uh on boats like cruise liners and i want to say he he sells art in a gallery on cruise liners i'm pretty sure that's the case but he's super awesome um i had a chance to meet him recently so big ups to to david gorman also, I'm proud to have this episode sponsored by Freakware. Uh, make sure you go check them out. Freakware.com. You've heard me talk about them for the last couple episodes. Uh, they're a cool clo- clothing company um, looking to support people who are sort of like counterculture, modern day counterculture. Um, I think people who are willing to look outside the modern boundaries, which I think with this modern age and the Internet, we're all sort of starting to look at what has been told as truth and sort of start to question things. I think those are the types of people who would be interested in their, in their line, um, beyond graphically and, uh, and ethically and all, all that sort of thing. The, um, the, the red shirt with the, with the crows on it is super dope and way comfy. I'm actually rocking it right now. Um, Go there, uh, freakware.com. It's f r e k w a r e dot com. It's got the hard e dash over the e. Freakware com. You can follow them at freakware on Twitter. F r e k w a r e. Use the code word "live free" and get twenty percent off your order. That's probably free shipping, free taxes, or whatever. So, please, go do that. Support the people who support the podcast. If you can't support the podcast, buy a t-shirt. It'll feel good, and uh, it'll benefit society. So, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, business out of the way, I present to you Mr. Casey Weldon. Alright, let's give Casey a call. My phone will work. All right, here we go. Hello. What's up, Casey? Hey, how's it going? Good. All right, that's better. I I I won't lie. We we started a Skype that had had uh, failed earlier. Yeah, No. There's a lot of uh, glitches and lags going on there. No, yeah. your fo- your phone sounds great though. So you're not like on um like middle of the desert satellite phone or middle of the woods. <laughs> no. Uh...
1: Not much anymore, I guess. But God yeah, damn. no, I'm in the
0: middle of the wilderness here. So, you know, I I was looking at your sort where you've been traveling from. You know, you grew up in in uh, Southern California, right? Uh, yeah,
1: uh, I was living there for. Well, I was born and raised there, and then uh, I was living there a couple of years ago or last year actually. I've been up in Seattle for the
0: last year. Oh nice. I, I've been talking a lot about Seattle. I had I had a bunch of friends went up there uh I guess uh, the beginning of this month. And it's so funny, like I'm I've been saying how I could easily move to Portland, but it's like every time I go to Portland, it's like the best days. Like, it's sunny out. There's like a bunch of cool artists in town and like a bunch of awesome stuff is happening. And, you know, I the, I have no idea what the bad days are like. So it's like, you know, uh, my buddy went to Seattle, like I said, at the beginning of the month. And it was like the one day that the sun was out. And he was like, man, I want to move to Seattle. But... um. <laughs> So you're another, you're another one of these Pas- uh, Pasadena art Center dudes that have been on the show and it's uh, almost accidental um I know i I first saw your work at either subtext or distinction gallery I, I want to say right yeah uh well I just had
1: a show there um last November or December and uh, but then also a couple of years ago second time I, I showed with them. And uh, yeah, it was you. I think that's the first time I saw
0: your work was at week's gym. Now, when uh, what years were, were you in Southern California? Did you grow up in San Diego or Los Angeles, or have you... uh, I grew up in the Valley beyond the Valley,
1: Valencia, uh, California, kind um, of by Magic Mountain?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and uh, and then went to art center uh, about two thousand to two thousand four. And uh, after that, I pretty much left Southern California and kind of moving from
0: place to place. Since then, yeah has, has has that always been a sort of plan of yours to be able to travel and go to different places, like live different places. Uh, it
1: kind of happened that way. I, I um, as it became more apparent that I didn't really need to be in a specific place for for my job, that yeah. uh, I should probably take advantage of it. So I'm kind of on a a three year plan, try to every three or four years and um so far
0: it's, it's been a lot of fun do, does the the art community in each of those cities is is that an important factor for you like you just said that you could you know you could do your work wherever you're at um but yeah I, well yeah as long as there's a fedex and a wi-fi
1: connection <laughs> be, be pretty much anywhere but yeah. um uh, When I first moved from, uh, right after school, I moved to Las Vegas for three years, and that was kind of because I was a broke college student, and all my friends bought houses out there when they were 23 or something, and uh, it was a good place to rent a room for super cheap, and surprisingly, the art scene there was was really, like, helpful for me. It's uh, um, it's very tight-knit and was growing at the time, but I met a lot of awesome people there, and, and managed to have some shows, and, and people bought work, and it was very
0: uh, uh, encouraging, for sure. Which um, which is kind of weird to think about. I think if you were just being stereotypical, or like the average person thinking about it, who maybe just goes to Vegas for the strip, you know, maybe one wouldn't really think that there was that much support, but I think maybe people would be more surprised. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's really too bad. I mean, Vegas
0: definitely... Of course, has that reputation for
1: the, the gambling and the drinking, the, the party time. But like, there's a there's a whole city beyond the egg yolk of uh, of um, of the strip, and uh, there's a lot of cool things happening there. I mean, the the arts district area. Um, I mean, they put on one of the best art walks that I've ever been to. Um, you know, the, the whole kind of block shuts down and. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot
0: of great art, a lot of things to check out for that Friday, but also, you know, the rest of the time, that you, or the rest of the month that you're there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Let me ask you this. Too. Oh, This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, because, like, you know, like, a lot of San Diego art events don't get any sort of national coverage. Like, they just only get local city coverage, like, you know, in terms of media. Uh, yeah. Of any type, really. Like, you know, like, from blogs or it's usually just local local people covering local things what is it about like certain cities well i guess sort of los angeles san francisco new york seem to be the only art cities that have a tendency to get national coverage do you think it's because like you said people are buying stuff in other cities as well it, do you what do you think do you think it's like a popularity thing do you think that there? are you know, I, these are some of the things I've been thinking about. Like, is it the the amount of artists that may be in those cities that there's enough stuff going on to get extra coverage? Do you ever? Does this ever cross your mind? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh,
1: especially just in Vegas, and fake, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm not really quite sure what the meaning behind it is, but uh, I, in in Las Vegas, it's it's definitely, uh, like, a different market, you know, uh, from what I've noticed is they're maybe not quite so aware of uh, who the artists are going on in, in high or, like, yeah. you know, who the popular artists are, and, um, and, you know, it's kind of vice versa. I don't think a lot of artists ever think of showing in Vegas uh, or, you know... Uh, as far as like, San Diego goes, I think it, it might be, it has a little bit better coverage, but uh, yeah, definitely San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, and um, maybe a couple of galleries in cities here and there get some good coverage, but
0: not not for the city, for the specific gallery, but it makes yeah. sense. I've been trying to figure this out. It's a puzzle to me. It's hard to, because every city that you go to, there's really interesting things going on. And I I, I understand there's only enough amount of time and space to cover things, but it's, it's I don't think it's like a biased thing or like a, like a, you know, like any sort of like animosity towards any other cities or anything like that. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Right?
1: Uh, you got uh, it could be just like if if stuff like that is, is able to uh, be supported just by its local community then there isn't uh, like a push to get it out there in the rest of the world or maybe the rest of the world is just kind of looking to the major cities because there's a thought that that's, that's where the I hate to say it, but like the cream of the crop is, or <laughs> something, you know, like yeah. maybe they're not really thinking of going to New Orleans to check out the arts there because well, you know they're not showing in San Francisco. So who gives
0: a shit? Yeah. Uh, did your did your art school experience set you up for for becoming the artist that you are? Did did uh, what was your pre art school? Art like comparative until you got into the sort uh, of art machine uh, that is the yeah, art center. No,
1: it was um, it was it was pretty bad. Uh, I I came across uh, some of the stuff that was right before I got into art center. Some of it was like actually in my portfolio to get in there, and it's definitely like
0: cringe worthy. How stuff. great is um, that? How great like is art? that to compare? Like to actually see your your progression.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing, <laughs> too. How
0: amazing. bad does it hurt? <laughs> that. And how bad does it hurt, too? Like, it's great and terrible at the same time?
1: Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> it doesn't, it's embarrassing, but, it, you know, there's still some pieces like, well, oh, dude, that, that wasn't too bad, you know? Um... <laughs> when it comes to like I think before I went to arts and I was like pretty much strictly pen and ink and just drew comic book characters and I uh, like really only got into life drawing because that's what they told me I needed to get to get into art school um, and so on that skill like I, I don't know I, I thought it was okay but it was definitely like
0: Planning to try when you were younger were your were your thoughts about going into comic illustration? Was that like the first passion? Ah, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, after that, I didn't really have an idea of, you know, and I didn't even really think of about becoming an artist uh, in any professional capacity. But, um, you know, a lot of teachers were really encouraging and and my parents were really encouraging and I really didn't know what else I could do. So um, I kind of went with it and uh, it's been working out okay.
0: Yeah, I think you're doing good. I don't know if you know uh i i was at distinction gallery one day and um some of your pieces were being unwrapped and i noticed that the uh the bubble wrap had fucked with some of your varnish do you remember distinction gallery getting in touch with you yeah. did you know that was yeah. me yeah that uh that broke my heart that was the
1: way my first lesson in um reversing the bubble wrap and giving the varnish a little bit more time to drive before shipping something. Yeah, um, I, I
0: thought maybe we could do, like, a public service announcement for for artists in shipping. Uh, so what had happened, <laughs> and, and I only knew because I made the same mistake myself. Um, uh, sometimes when you varnish something, uh, you have a tendency, you know, you're varnishing it, like, the day before you need to ship it. And you know, like as artists, we're always on like crazy, weird deadlines. So we do everything. Uh, at least in, on with my experience, a lot of times things get done at the last minute, just based on the amount of time available. Uh, you're talking to the world's biggest procrastinator here. I mean, it's totally usually like hours before
1: the deadline at the post office. Before I got to get something out, and uh, it's totally an artist you know,
0: it's
1: Got like heat lamps on it. Uh, <laughs> doing everything I can right you know? And um, uh, I've gotten a little bit better at that, especially just those experiences. Because uh, you, know, you, I don't know, I want to spend like every last second I can making it, the painting look good, exactly. and you kind of forget about that drawing time for the last
0: part, especially if it needs a couple of coats. And, so, uh, what really happens? And, look you know, even, and beyond that, even if, uh, if, your varnish is dry and you bubble wrap your stuff in prepare. Like if you prepare it like a, a, you know, a month ahead of time and stack your paintings up, whether it be on top of one another or like side by side, what will happen is the bubble wrap plastic has a tendency to pull just the sheen off of the varnish. So what you end up getting <coughs> is a dotted pattern, a bubble wrap pattern all the way down your painting, in certain sections where, where the sheen of the varnish has been removed, the rest of the varnish that didn't touch the bubble wrap is still there. So you get this bubble wrap pattern uh, that yeah. can only be seen if you have if you hit it at the right angle, right? Like so, or if there's a, a particular light on it, you'll you'll pick it up. But what ends up yeah. happening is you just have to you have to varnish it again.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I did. that that's happened to me is that i did a painting of a girl like kind of holding a giant bee, and uh i don't mean, know quite it must have been what what you're just describing is because that was like varnished way ahead of time yeah the reason why that should have been that pattern but there was and uh i talked to the lady who bought it and i offered you know hey you want to send it back to me i'll, I'll refinish it and um I think she said <laughs> because of the uh, the stuff with the bee in there, she kind of liked the kind of honeycomb uh, effect that was coming off yeah. there and ended up keeping it like that. So, I don't know. It would be cool to, to mess with that a little bit. I always want to do a series of paintings that um, <clears throat> were like varnished half and like matte medium and the other half like a high gloss so that there was an image there that you couldn't see unless you actually saw original
0: painting yeah you know that you
1: know draw a design or something in in, in
0: the map that's how Uh, that's actually how my walls are in my house i uh they my landlord who i rent the place from had painted and did like a trim in here and the the living room i don't know if you saw on skype it's like a like a maroonish type color but what you if unless you're on the corner if you look there's stripes Half of it is like a matte finish, and the other half is like a semi-gloss. So oh, that... there's stripes all the way through the house, and I can't imagine what the fuck they were doing. Like, <laughs> it, it seems like oh, I mean, was that, was that or... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know huh. They they it must have took hours to be able to yeah. to stripe off because you have to mask each side of each bar of each stripe. Over, like throughout the whole thing It's it's insane That's crazy That's some like uh, Winchester house Kind of activities For sure Yeah It may be some coke shit I don't know <laughs> um, But so yeah So the, the uh, Public service announcement Get some plastic Wrap your pieces in plastic Or uh, like a, uh, Like a wax paper and then put the bubble wrap around that so the bubbles never actually have an opportunity to get to the varnish. That's the public service uh, announcement for today. Uh, yeah, no, I think it sounds good. Um, but when it comes to shipping, I feel like you can
1: make public service announcements all day. Like, I'm surprised how many artists, uh, the way they pack
0: their paintings are, are creative. That might and be like a new like, segment on the show, public service announcements uh, on shipping.
1: Yeah, no, you should have, like, a little little segment each show. Just uh, little artist tips to, to help you
0: do things right. Yeah, your shipping style should evolve with your artistic style. As you grow as an artist, your shipping should also improve as you go. Well, that
1: was one thing uh, now that I'm kind of realizing that there wasn't there wasn't ever anything addressed in school. Like, just one day of one class would be nice. you know like just basic uh, fundamentals of shipping you know just one little
0: thing it should could be done. help so many people so how did you mentioned that you you weren't all that interested in the so what i guess the gallery game the the, the art scene in in air quotes uh, what you you I, I assume your illustration was was the idea for for making money no, Is that? Accurate? Yeah, well, right
1: out of college, that was that was the idea, and um, I kind of started doing stuff, and, and then you know started doing illustrations for the City Lights, like the kind of LA Weekly paper out there in, in Vegas, and I was doing just like a lot of random jobs, CD covers, and I don't know whatever I could do to make some money, and, and uh, but after a while, um things started going pretty well with the, the gallery art and um and so I just kind of focused more on that um and that's pretty much where I am now I don't really I do really do too much illustration though I, I kind of wish I, I did it'd be a little bit more of a reliable paycheck yeah. um keeping if that paycheck in itself isn't all that reliable it's it's more like waiting for galleries to get back to you it's
0: you know, some checks. Yeah, that's, you know, that's maybe another public service announcement on how fucking (laughs) hard it is to get paid. Uh,
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I'm like a a part of this artist collective of uh, 30 artists from kind of all over the the world, um, and there's this forum that we just kind of trade stories with, like, this gallery, just do not mess with them. You know, this gallery is great. They'll always come through. Um, it's it's surprising, like, how bad it could be for, for people. Even, like, pretty respectable galleries. Uh, uh, like, some of the stories are here, I can't believe it. Yeah
0: to go through but um that's interesting you did that because at the beginning when i first started the show i talked a lot about uh this idea of having like an artist union where you know there could be artist ran spaces like almost like a like a masonic lodge type of idea where there's like a, a place in each city like each major city that's available you know and and have these spaces where a, a group of people who are part of a collective like that can can utilize the spaces throughout the world and sort of like pay into it, and it gets sort of, it gets a little communistic in some, or yeah. maybe socialistic in some aspect. But you know, <laughs> um, as a way to sort of combat some of those poor business traits that come with yeah, business people. I mean, I th- think that's.
1: Uh mean on a smaller scale that's kind of what, what we've been doing um, or just just for us and, and yeah. to share with other people is just, just general knowledge sometimes I don't know I don't really get a chance to talk to a lot of artists even if I'm get a chance to go to an opening you know kind of small talk and, and who wants to talk shop at uh, you know an event like that or something or like yeah, any to but um, you know it's It's been really beneficial for me, at least you know. And in in all cases, not only you know like who to and not to deal with, but you know just kind of what we were just talking about, like packing, how we uh, how
0: we do our simple tasks when it comes to making and mailing a piece. Right. You guys aren't a cult, right? It's not a cult. Yeah, yeah. It's Prisma. It's it's a cult. Uh, You guys could join. You need to have four ounces of virgin's blood, but (laughs) that. Hey, is that um, is that girl Zoe Milk in your in your cult? Yes, she is. Yeah, she's. Uh, I've been trying. To, I tried. I invited her to be on the show. Maybe you could put the good word into the collective cult that I'm okay to. Talk about. <laughs> I'm trying. No, I want really, to have yeah, more females on the show. What's that? I want to have more female artists on the show. So I'm like, trying, I'm making an effort at doing that. Like being specific. Oh yeah. Uh, man, I mean, our
1: cult is. I uh,
0: think. Jesus, it's like eighty percent girls. There's a oh, uh, I there's you know, a lot of them are. I saw uh, Kelly's in the cult, right? Yeah, Kelly Babanka. Yeah, I, I, I've been talking with her about doing the show, but she's really nervous about doing it. Yeah, yeah, um, dude, I'm pretty nervous myself. So like the gone, gone now, right? That. Like, the more I
1: talk, I'm like, I don't
0: want to be talking. Oh. Uh, I thought it, it, it gets it's it gets good after ten minutes. Like the first ten minutes are like dicey. You gotta like get used to it, but then it, it starts to roll right. Feels comfortable. Yeah, no, no, totally. I'm, I'm
1: just fucking a little bit But uh, yeah, no, Kelly in it. She's awesome. Um, you know, uh, Anna. I have butcher her name every time, but Anna Bagayani I know. Uh, How, is in it? Um,
0: I have uh, so many. Uh, this, I have so many artists on the show that I. Cannot fucking pronounce their names like whenever I'm trying or like talking about artists. I don't know what it is with fucking artists that have these fucking weird names. I, I, I chalk it up to like uh sort of creative parents or maybe like uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for like a nice way to say kooky kind of like quirky parents that but even it's usually last names even that it's like just super hard to pronounce like you don't know anybody else with that last name. Yeah, it's uh, I and then if, if you're only reading
1: it, I mean, it's how are you supposed to know? I don't know. I I'm have,
0: having um
1: normal words all the time, anyway. So
0: complex words even harder. I'm having Sauce Christian on the show. Yeah. So and I I don't know yeah. if it's say it, it's S A S, and I've never I don't know that I've heard anybody say her name before. Well, SAS. That doesn't. No way, Sace. I I don't know. Uh, Sace. Sace. Thought sounds right. That's what how I would say it. That's how I always heard it said. That's what we're gonna go with. You you were just back in Vegas this month. I I think your show is just now coming to an end. I wish we could. I I should have had you on at the beginning of the month when the show was just starting. But. um,
1: Oh yeah, no
0: no problem. Uh, well, yeah, I mean on it all.
1: Uh, yeah, I know it's a um, the same gallery I've kind of been showing at since I lived there back in two thousand and four or five, um and uh yeah it was it was me and Edith LeBoe from Montreal and uh yeah it was it was a it was a really good time. Have well, you, going I, back, definitely.
0: Have you ever been up to Montreal?
1: I haven't. No, um, she's taking out for the show. Her her boyfriend and um, I'm definitely trying to figure out some reason to get up there.
0: It sounds pretty great. Yeah, I I've been painting with this group called In Mass, and they're out of Montreal. And I I fell in love with the the Montreal people. But I want to punch. Yeah. I I love them, but I kind of want to punch them all in the head too. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, for specific. Oh no! Just, because right. they get angry, it's funny. Oh so, yeah, I don't. I
1: mean, my only representation of it has been those two, and, and well, actually, uh,
0: Andre Bachelon. Yeah, so, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> one of those guys. I don't want to punch him in the head, though. He's super nice. <laughs> he's like the
1: nicest guy. I
0: no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> want to punch him in the head. Neither. He's always smiling and happy. He doesn't. I haven't seen him get mad. But he's one of those cats. I um. I met him in Miami uh, at Basel last year, and we, we were hanging out this year. He hangs out with that crew, too. Uh, right on. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. Uh, I met him, um
1: Circus Soleil was doing a uh-huh. project where they had a lot of artists do uh, um, posters for their shows, yeah. and uh, I got to do one and, and met him for that, and he interviewed me, and that was... Uh, that was
0: he was very nice about it. Yeah, he's super cool. All the all those guys are super rad. Um so the, all the the paintings from this last show are are up on the I think on the Trifecta Gallery Facebook. I was looking through them. And I guess you have a, a series you did a series of cat paintings um with multiple eyes. Can you talk right. a little bit about what what brought that series on? I know you've painted uh, animals a lot in the past. Yeah, uh, almost
1: specifically. I mean, I love a lot of animals, but uh, I've definitely been addicted to cat paintings yeah, uh, the last couple of years. And um, uh, I did like the first series of, of the double-eyed cats two two and a half years ago. Um, and the original idea from that just came from I was. I, know, I was going to do a series of paintings of cute animals from the internet, but like mutated, <laughs> you know, like the slow Loris that kind of opens his arms and he's going to have like six arms. Yeah. And then I just got a portrait of Maru, the cat, and it was going to have like all kinds of eyes. And in Photoshop, I just like circled eyes and put one right above it. And it looked freaky. And uh, I just settled on doing a series of those. And it got really popular. And, uh, I, the original series was, like, really small. It was, like, 5 by 7 um, and kind of crudely painted, and I just wanted to do another version of that that was a little bit more, um, uh...
0: A little bit more well-painted and, and exploratory of the, of the idea. Okay. And we're... Did, I, don't, I feel like I saw some that they were your... Some of them were your friend's cats? They somebody, they're cats that you know? Is that... Yeah, they're all
1: Instagram cats, basically. People that follow on Instagram. Like, uh, one of them Sarah Junko's cat, and Edith LeBeau's got a cat. There are two cats sitting around. And Armin from uh, Spoke Art, uh, he his cat is dearly departed. Uh, Nora is one of them, and uh, a couple of other, yeah, everyone's, they're just friends. I think I'm going to keep going with it because, um, I don't
0: know. You worked on the backyard wall project with uh, J.W. and um, Yeah, Todd. Todd. Todd uh, I was gonna call him Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dwayne. <laughs> he kind of he seems like a Dwayne. Uh, yeah, no, those things are super rad, and um, I've uh,
1: never painted a mural before, and, and uh, I kind of known J.W. for a little bit and um, just met Todd the first time in December and went over to the house and there was another mural that was up and was. Well, it just seemed like a really fun project and a really uh, safe space to dabble in the whole uh, mural kind of thing. and Yeah, um, yeah I was up there uh, for a week and, and worked on this, this painting and, and they take um, time-lapse photography of it and you know, speed it all up and make a video out of it
0: get it scored and it's just a really cool kind of fun project uh, super glad I did it J, uh, JW did a portrait of my dog uh, a couple of years back that's why I bring it up oh nice yeah. was it saying something They I wear sometimes it's not there yeah he's saying live free out of his mouth oh perfect that's so, awesome my dog is super I think sometimes my dog is more well known than I am He's had, like, his portrait's <laughs> been painted, like, painted, drawn, used in, like, uh, you know when uh, you buy a frame at, like, Michael's and it has the picture on the inside already as, like, the sample? Like, his face has been used for that shit? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, that seems to like happen a lot, though.
1: Like, uh, I mean, Sarah Jonka's other cat, um, I think her name's Jugs, I don't know, that's, like, that's become a pretty super famous cat. She's this giant, gray, crazy
0: looking cat. But, uh... I wanted, I wanted to bring... I brought up the wall painting project because, uh, which, those guys actually, I'm not shitting on them, but they got the, the idea from me from a project that I did a few years back, which they always give me oh. full credit for. It's not like... They, they were like, yeah. hey, we want to do this thing like you're doing. And it was not, it's not like a stealing thing at all. Like, those Oh, guys, yeah, you know, I know it was. it's written on like their, yeah, yeah, they're totally. Do idiots, do but good. but uh, for you, this so, is this was uh, the first time painting a, like a mural size thing, or you know, you you don't do this very yeah. often, right? You no, know, the largest thing I ever
1: painted before that was like three and
0: three by four feet or something. Uh-huh. What uh What was the experience so, like? Because yeah. you did you you basically made one of your paintings super big. Um, was this something that you might be interested in and doing again? Is it was it fun? Was it difficult? Uh, yeah, no,
1: it was it was uh it was both. It was fun. It was difficult. Uh, but uh, yeah, now I now I I mean, of course, I'm looking back and I'm like, Jesus, it looks like shit. But like, uh, I totally want to do another one as soon as possible, uh, just to take another stab to, to to do it better, you know. and... Um, uh, yeah, I had a, a lot of fun doing it, and there's a, a lot of mural projects going around in, in, um, Las Vegas, just, like, in the downtown area, um, they approached me a long time ago about doing one, and I, I think I was too frightened to do it, so
0: yeah. this time, I, I'm totally down. Yeah, it's kind of cool how you get that extra little bit of confidence just from giving something a world just going for it without really much concern. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd, uh, I've kind of been finding,
1: I've been trying to do that a lot more this year, just making an art piece a different way that I've never done it before. And, and uh, especially when it becomes more sculptural or, or just some medium that I'm not familiar with, It, it uh, when you pull it off, it makes you feel awesome. But of course, when you
0: don't, it kind of makes horrible <laughs> good just, bad again you try again
1: you know you keep working at it until you find it out um yeah. like over the summer I thought you know what um a woolly willy is uh like the old game where you draw a haircut on a bald man with a uh, magnet like uh yeah, yeah.
0: Well, uh
1: uh-huh. uh I made like a a big one of those like an 18 by 24 it was for um Breaking Bad theme show. So it was a Walter White wooly Willy And uh, you draw the hair on him. But it was fully operational, right? So, like, it was a big plastic case with all those iron shavings. And uh, uh, up until, like, the last hour, I'm pretty sure it was going to fail. And then it all came together. And after I finished it, it was, I had to say, it it was
0: pretty awesome. Yeah, see, that those benefits are so much better than the the few times you fail along the way. Oh yeah, totally. Um, that, you know that's actually I mean, there was a, a topic I wanted to bring up with you. Um, over the last few years, we've seen a sort of influx of these um, like pop culture themed shows. Um, yeah. Specifically, lately, a lot of television stuff, and even like like cult movie things, and which I guess has been a part of art pop culture you know pop art i guess to for just using that term loosely um yeah does it ever feel like like you're promoting a show like a commercial more than like you're promoting yourself as an artist does does that ever yeah oh totally i mean it's
1: a pretty divisive topic among artists i think is uh you know it's, uh, at what point does it just seem like you're doing fan art you know like uh, just drawing a portrait of Luke Skywalker or whatever uh, you know like and as far as promoting the show I mean well the, the biggest complaint I've heard often is is that it, these kind of shows kind of benefit the gallery more than it benefits the artist because even if your piece does sell it's just, Selling because uh, because of your work or
0: because of the borrowed interest, you know, which is um, which is a thing with portraiture work. You know, like I mean, a large portion of your stuff is is portraiture based. So, like that idea of selling something to somebody, selling a portrait of somebody who somebody doesn't know, you know, is is sometimes a lot more difficult than selling a Portrait of Luke Skywalker. Is that... Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, that, that comes down to the
1: whole the whole borrowed interest thing. I mean, they're buying yeah. it because they relate to the subject matter uh, more than they would if it was not an identifiable kind of pop icon. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. My line of thinking with that is it depends on what you do with it. You know, like, it's really easy to just um do a portrait of of whatever the theme is, like in your style. But I mean, I don't know, I've always tried to do my best to get like
0: creative with it or at least yeah. put, like a different spin or uh Well that's like you said, you, you tried something brand new with using the, the magnet mustache thing and like you know, if you if I'm to look at it from another perspective the creation process still has a level of purity to it in that you're trying to be creative, make something different, you know although you're sort of pigeonholed with a theme you could still sort of stretch the boundaries of that and still be creative yeah, exactly Uh, but the psychology of of the viewer, I think, becomes maybe, or, you know, the presenter becomes a little, like, who's putting the show on, or like what what the intent of the show is you know if it's like if some producers show up at a space and like hey we're trying to get some buzz for this movie let's do this thing is if that intent seems a little more different than maybe what an artist who's creating something what their intent is yeah and it it, I I think in that case it comes down to the gallery
1: and and who's creating the show like what artists they they pick and and what those artists can do to it. It's kind of like a uh, a chain effect, you know? And, and yeah,
0: There's a lot of different there's angles. This, yeah. And is,
1: there have been, like, a lot more... I mean, I've been a big... 1988, they're, like, one of the first galleries that that really asked me to do anything for them. And uh, I think that they've done a pretty good job of, of selecting artists that are going to do something creative with it or uh, and some really awesome work even if it is like based off of uh, a pop culture theme like I don't know it seems like everything is based off of a a theme you know everything's based off of uh, something that the
0: viewer has to identify with so and you know it could be super beneficial for artists as well in terms of like broadening an audience you know because maybe people who who watch Breaking Bad aren't really going to art shows but they fucking love Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, so... Just for that, example.
1: ...where you draw the like is like, then there's just the theme show in general even you know, if it's not pop culture but like, uh, like a tarot card show. You know, like there's people who are into tarot cards that might go see the show not specifically because they're interested in the artist but I don't know they're just like tarot cards and, you know what I'm saying I don't know. I, I obviously don't have a problem with it I think it just all comes down to the execution and, and uh, um making whatever the subject matter is as is, is, is much of your own as you can you know like it, it introducing something uh, more than just uh, a simple rendition of the characters that have already been rendered for
0: public, yeah. yeah. totally. Um, well, I you know, I was again I we mentioned the the cat paintings from the Trifecta show. Um I was also I was looking at the portraits of the uh the mold moss, moss and rust pieces and I was thinking about that like where where was like things that sit around for a while or like things that are sedimentary did, w- was that the sort of thinking, like, going into those? What I, I think, I know you've done a lot of portraiture where there's something else added to it. Like, I know there, there was the um, the vermin series where there was uh, rats and, and different, like, I want to say roaches, or some type of bubs that made up beards, like, that sort yeah, like of themselves the, to humans. The beards were all made of, like, bright-colored rodents or a vermin of some sort. Is there a deterioration yeah. thing happening there? It's kinda of like there it seems like there's what I was getting from it and, and now talking to you, which is interesting about your you're talking about moving every three years. I'm curious if you're feeling a little like you've been sitting for too long. Oh, uh, it's interesting. I've never really looked at it like that. Uh how long have you been in New York? Has it been three years?
1: Uh well I'm actually uh I moved from New York uh, about a eight- a year or two ago uh, I lived in yeah I lived in Brooklyn for three and a half years
0: so um, and you and you said you were in Seattle yeah
1: so I from Brooklyn I moved to back to Tasmania for about a year and then I've been kind of in Seattle purgatory uh, for about eight months um, and actually the plan for me is to is to move to Portland um, and just just haven't done it yet I, uh, this year I've just been kind of Going everywhere, and uh, I just haven't committed to to finding a place. I'm Kind
0: of believing on that, definitely. So the the sedimentary deterioration mixture isn't uh, doesn't have to do with that. Maybe. Uh, I
1: don't think so. I mean, with the um, with the
0: with the age series, the,
1: the one that's in the show now, this is more of uh, crack on that like kind of um, pretty. Girls and pretty boys, and um, you know, youth is always going to decay at some point. So, uh, you know, the moss and the rust and the uh, the mold—like it's just kind of a—I <laughs> hate to say it, but it's kind of just
0: like a simple, like yes, everything young and pretty is going to get old eventually. Do you think is is that sort of young purity? still important for you to keep it in your work like the the pretty girls is that something that you're you're still interested in pushing
1: yeah i you know it's it's one of those things where uh i'm kind of i'm more on the fence about girls and paintings than than pop culture and paintings which is weird because i obviously do a lot of um girls holding weird bangs kind of paintings and uh, if there's any common thread it's that I like to try to do something that is uh, maybe at face like kind of agreeable or pretty to look at but then try to make it um, not necessarily creepy but like awkward at some point that's kind of what the point of the, the kitty before I cat is that you take something really cute and everyone loves looking at pictures of cats but then you make it actually physically hard to look at with the, the, uh, the double eyes yeah. uh, you know the natural effect of your eyes trying to focus on
0: their eyes how weird is that person. That aspect of it like how we, how much we focus on where two eyes and a nose and a mouth are supposed to be that if you throw in an extra set like it's almost like your eyes start to um, whirlpool like spin around in circles yeah. like trying to figure out the, the puzzle no i I love that and I uh, I mean that's
1: been done way before I came along sure uh but uh, i I love that effect and like uh, I hate to say it but at some point it's kind of like lost its effectiveness on me is uh you're sitting there painting it and it it doesn't work until like the last second, you know, until yeah. you get like all the details right, and then all of
0: a sudden, like your eyes know, start kind of blurring out, and that's then a, you kind of know you're done. <laughs> that's that's the interesting thing about paintings, especially you know, two dimensional acrylic paintings, the or or even oil paintings. Uh, that the trick is really to to it's it's to trick the eye to, into believing that there's shape and form and and shadow and depth when really there isn't, and it when you throw those puzzles into the equation it kind of throws the reality off of of the situation you know like how sometimes we we let you know we let our minds do the work and that's what i like you know i can always tell when an artist is looking at a painting that in comparison to somebody who's just maybe a casual observer you know they go in there and they actually try to dissect the puzzle sometimes Instead of just letting everything... And you know, that's the interesting thing about looking at one's own art. You know, because we are the magicians of it. We know all the tricks that have made it. So we see it and they look totally obvious to us. And of course I'm projecting... But when, uh, you know, a, a casual observer looks at it with that sort of lazy eye. You know, remember those things in the 90s with, at the mall? They would sell, like, the, oh, the weird yeah, eye things. Yeah, it'd be like the 3D shape. It's that same thing. Like, people look at things with a lazy eye just instinctively. Not, not because they're lazy or because they're uneducated or anything like that. It's, it's just the way that our biology works. But if you've you've sort of hacked it by figuring out the puzzle of making dimension on a flat surface, it uh, it makes you look at the world even, you know, besides painting. It makes you look at the world differently. Like, I think of all the time, like, looking at the sky, like, okay, what color blue is that? Like, I can't not look at things and dissect them into how they would be recreated as art. It, do you find... Oh, yeah, definitely. I
1: mean, uh, from one side, like from creating your own pieces, you're there for the entire creation of it, right? So, and there's no, there's no like defined ending point, you know, you, at some point you just gotta kind of stop and be like, okay, this is done. <laughs> so you're you're totally aware of where everything came from and what where the cracks still are. And I feel like the more experience you have with like anything, uh, the more you're, I'm not judging but like yeah like you said just kind of taking it apart and seeing like well how did this get to be like that and uh, and I think that just because or it comes from one like natural curiosity of, of whatever around you and yeah and
0: And not that either one is more important than the other.
1: Sometimes you don't like these. It was just, they would just—they wouldn't buy anything. Or they wouldn't buy, it, you know, any of my
0: work. That's for sure. Aesop Rock has a good line that I, I won't even try to remember, but it's about the idea of like you want to—you want to be noticed, but you don't want to be noticed too much. You know, <laughs> like you don't want to be scrutinized. <laughs> yeah, you want to um, be observed, exactly. but not yeah. overly scrutinized.
1: Yeah, I think he. I mean, I think he might. Wasn't he saying that more in like a uh, kind of like a pop popularity kind of uh, what it it
0: really matters it's a good line that pertains to yeah that's I didn't want to even try to butcher it like I can hear half of it in my head but I know it's so weird just because you're being recorded for something sometimes words will just totally disappear from the vocabulary that you're looking for just because (laughs) you're under this stupid weird pressure of being recorded it doesn't make any sense whatsoever it's like placebo effect kind of yeah uh
1: it's there's still one little tiny part in your brain that's always saying, like, you know, other people are going to hear that. And they're going to be able to rewind it and be like, "What the fuck did he just say?" Uh, oh, sorry. I don't know what your uh,
0: explicit tag on your podcast is. I don't know. If oh sure. no, yeah, we're we're totally fucking explicit. Okay, <laughs> we talk about everything. Uh, the ones I listen to, I don't remember anyone tagging. Uh, but See, I that... hate to do that, but I'm nervous. That's the funny thing, right? So, as as being interviewed, uh, you know, we will think that uh, we're, again, hyper-scrutinized. But like you just said, you've listened to a couple episodes, and you can't think of whether they cussed or not. So, like, that hyper-scrutiny that you would think would be upon yourself, you don't actually put onto other people. You know, it's only when we think we're being judged, but we don't actually judge other people. If... You just gotta imagine that everybody else is you, I think. Uh, yeah. Unless you're totally judgmental. <laughs> Speaking of judgmental, I don't know if you followed this story. Do you? Do you? Uh, are you? Do you have any interest in sports or or fighting or MMA or any of that? Uh, you know, I used to be really into it when I lived there in Vegas. Of course, it was like yeah, uh, it's like the hometown. The
1: huge, uh, rent the fights, and uh, we never. I never got to see an actual fight, but uh, you know, all the boys get together and, and, and rent that, and watch it. Uh, but I'm terrible with with names. You know, like if you told me a fighter's name, I would remember him. But like, I can't. It's uh, the same pretty much with anything.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I, there's been a huge debate over the last couple weeks um, and for me on Twitter recently about this Fallon Fox woman. She's a transgender opera- uh, post-op post-op uh, transgender male to woman and she's fighting MMA against uh, other women. And she's had two professional fights. Um, the first one was a TKO, which was an injury, and I haven't been able to find that one on YouTube. And the second one was uh, a knockout with a knee to the jaw. And everyone's trying to decide whether or not it's fair or unfair for a a transgendered previous male, now female, uh, surgery, hormone replacement, trying to figure out if if it's okay for her to fight... uh, in professional MMA against naturally born women. And I say it's completely unfair. But with that said, I totally support, like, transgendered, um, like, baseball, basketball, golf, those sorts of types of sports that don't involve an actual physical contact. That's yeah, fighting. oh, so it
1: just comes down to... So, because there was a, an issue
0: come up before like in the olympics right uh yeah well see here's the thing the the ioc uh they allow transgendered uh male or female whichever side you whichever transition somebody chooses to make they if they've been uh the surgery was two years ago and they've been having the hormone therapy which is uh it promotes estrogen uh, for a male to female and they suppress testosterone um, if they've been on the, the hormone therapy for over two years, they're allowed to compete. But if we're talking about the Olympics, we're talking about running, swimming, ice skating, skiing, you know, these types of things. And even boxing. Like, I could even see boxing being okay because they have huge gloves on their hands. It's still, boxing is like the line where it is probably not okay. But MMA is way over the line because what I actually learned today, uh, 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 see here, I'm going to forget the word, the the type of doctor, Um, endocrinologist. They actually the what has been talked about is bone density and whether you know, like somebody in somebody who had gone all the way through puberty into a grown male has a different type of skeleton structure than another female, and. What they found well, what people have been talking about is that with the hormone replacement therapy, that eventually over a long enough period of time the the things that differentiate a man from a woman like the the hormones, the bone density, uh, muscle mass, tendon structure, these these sorts of things. Will change over a long period of time, but what they found is that estrogen actually increases bone density, which I guess is no, not like that. They just found that, but what it does is uh, there's a switch. Testosterone makes a switch into estrogen to help uh, build bone density, and men with low testosterone find that they actually get they get osteoporosis a lot because they're they're not producing the estrogen as well. So we're finding this. This previous man, now fully woman hormonally and uh, you know, her sex organs still has huge hands, has strong elbows, strong knees, and uh you know, strong shins. So it yeah. and they're hitting someone who wasn't born with that structure to begin with. And it it everyone who's saying that it's unfair for her to Or the people who are on the other side of the fence, saying that it's fair for her to fight other women, are calling the people who don't think it's fair transphobic, saying that we're that they're saying that she's not a woman that she can't fight another woman, but everyone wants to say that she's a woman even though she was born with a man's skeleton. And I'm you know whatever people want to do with their own life is on them. And like I said, I'm I'm all for uh, a transgendered male who. Who's now female to play even in the WNBA or you know any type of professional women's sports, which there's obviously a lack of, and that kind of I think is part of the story too, is like the sort of suppression of women in sports, which I think has to be coming to an end now to to some extent. Yeah, I don't. I don't know.
1: That's that's, that's, there's so many factors to like, what would come to a decision in that you know you're, you're between all of the actual science behind it and then the actual or, and then the the um uh the fairness you know um the uh what would you say like the, the ethics involved in it um yeah. it's <laughs> I don't know would you think it would be fair for her to fight uh no, I don't
0: think so. And that's here. Here comes another one of these sort of ethical uh, dilemmas. It's like, okay, so do we have a transgender fight league? Is there, you know, there's not enough precedence. This is seriously like the the first known case. You know, to a certain extent, at least in, in MMA, which is is good for that. It to, for it to be almost for it to be in this arena because it's such a. It's a fairly new sport for, in terms of, you know, its history yeah. in comparison. So, like, do we say, because as a transgendered person, they don't want to be, you know, she views herself as a woman. She doesn't want to be yeah. like an other. So there gets these, like, sociological issues that come along with deciding whether somebody's physical advantages are more of an advantage than what the other people are are available to reach. But, you know, we see it in women's MMA. We see a lot of, um, steroids, just like in the rest of professional sports. And a lot of these women are pumping themselves full of testosterone, uh, to be able to build muscle mass. And we, we see people get in trouble. And even like you'll see the women who are taking steroids, their jaws get all big. It's interesting. (laughs) So it's totally, yeah, and I was thinking about this too, like because because Fallon Fox takes estrogen, could she you know if she if you know people take steroids to to enhance their performance if she wanted to enhance her performance, could she theoretically stop taking her estrogen medication or her hormone therapy and have a build up of testosterone for a particular period of time and then get back on the estrogen in time to have her blood work be different, which is like the, the total opposite of taking steroids, but it would be taking steroids without the opportunity to have the test for the, the testosterone being placed into the system because it's actually can still be naturally made, I think to a certain extent, but if somebody doesn't have their balls, do they not, are they not able to produce testosterone as easily? I'm, now we have to be doctors. Can you pretend to be a doctor for a second? <laughs> yeah. me uh, this is totally something I'm... It's totally all new territory for me, too. I'm just... I'm I'm trying to figure out the both fair and ethical side of this thing. Because the sort of... You know, the people who are, are quick to judge somebody who has a different opinion than somebody in the lesbian or gay or bisexual transgendered community those people are so used to def- having to defend themselves that they're quick to judge people who aren't in that particular camp with yeah cult. yeah. I mean that, that's probably something you find with, with any case anyone, where yeah. someone's the
1: minority of an opinion uh, you know they, they're quick to scrap about it um, but I, I don't know this is like one of those issues where I have like a really divisive opinion on it is like uh ethically, I'd say, yeah, it's she's a woman now she should fight, but like on that scientific kind of physical fairness side of it, I, like, oh, I don't know, but uh, you know, what if it was naturally occurring? What if it was um, you know someone that was actually born with uh you know like a I guess like a hermaphrodite, yeah,' that,
0: that. right. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Would I think unfair
0: be
1: because then you're taking that, that that choice that they made out of it. And I know it's not that they've always felt like a woman since, since birth, and that's not what I mean. But, like, other people have the choice. Well, you decided to, to change, you know. Um, if someone was born
0: that way, like, would we still be having the same argument? Or... Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It's I. I don't think uh, I don't think it would be. I I think it would be a separate argument. Yeah. Uh. And it, and again, what what the it's really we're having like a blanket discussion about it, but each individual case is also probably going to be specific to what it is. You know, so like, like in the Fallon Fox case, he was a man. Of, I guess smaller stature, five seven, like one hundred and forty five pounds around there. Well, actually, he fights. She fights at one hundred and forty five pounds. So I don't know if she's bigger than that. After, like, usually fighters cut weight to to yeah. get to their fighting weight, and they usually walk around quite a bit heavier. So I mean, he started at, when when she was a man started at a, a a smaller stature. So the does that play into it at all? You know, like. Can we, can we? Me, should we have different measurement categories? And then every time you do that, it, like you said, it becomes divisive. In that oh, you yeah. have to kind of totally. separate uh, them, which, which is exactly the the beginnings of bigotry and you know, a sort of dislike of another group is just separating them as something different. Yeah, uh, but really, it's all definitions.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly, and everyone's got their own. Uh, Way of defining things, (laughs) like it's um, how you get a consensus out of that. I I don't, I don't know. It's hard, and you know, there's always going to be someone angry about it. And what can
0: you do? I didn't put you in the hot seat, right? To talk about a hot button (laughs) issue like this.
1: Of all the things I was expecting to talk about, uh, transgender MMA, but it was not one of
0: them. Definitely. There you go. You never know what's going to happen on this show. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah. um, cool man we got uh, we got about an hour an hour and five could uh let's plug some of your future stuff or um where people can find your work at online and the facebook's and the twitter yeah definitely uh casey and casey weldon and facebook
1: it's pretty much casey weldon anything um and uh yeah i got a, a bunch of shows coming up uh, A two-man show. It, um the Home Booth Gallery in, in Long Beach in June and then a solo show at Spoke Art San Francisco and uh, a bunch of group shows at 1988 coming up soon and um, the, uh, the 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 we were talking about earlier is uh, prismacollective.com there are, uh, a lot of awesome artists there and um, yeah the backyard Las Vegas backyard wall project is uh, on Facebook and Go
0: see some cool videos of people painting murals yeah i'll post um i'll post all that stuff up on the blog and i'm trying to use the um the podcast facebook to help promote artists when they're when they're doing uh shows and stuff so whenever new stuff comes up just let me know and i'll, I'll post stuff up on there um ah, nice, thanks yeah thank you blog, uh no i really appreciate you taking the time to,
1: to talk to me i wish i was a little bit more help uh
0: oh no You're you did perfect cool it was easy right no problem <laughs> yeah I know definitely All right. it was really? fun man cool man well um, Casey I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me bro I appreciate it uh, definitely man It's my pleasure thanks a lot Mike. alright brother I'll talk to you later alright right, thanks